Well, it is so good to have every one of you with us right now in the room. And uh, right now, we also have many who are joining us online. So if you're on site with us, would you join me in welcoming our online community? Good to have you all with us. We are in uh, week two of our series, Upstream. We uh, launched into this last week. It's a series that uh, really addressing some of the issues that we as believers kind of find ourselves feeling like we are paddling upstream in our culture. And so uh, Chad last week launched us off into this series by talking about the sanctity of human life. If you missed it, you need to go catch up on that. It's a great message and a great way to, uh, to start our, uh, our series. And so we're going to be doing this for a couple more weeks. So I hope you're planning on joining us and inviting others to be a part of this as we address some of these uh, hot topics uh, over these next couple weeks. All right. So again, we're glad y'all are here. Hey, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, my wife and I, Steph, we got invited by some of our friends to go down to Broken Bow, down to the cabins in Broken Bow. And some of you have been there, I know, and, and we'd never been there. It was amazing. We had a great time. But on the way down, we had a little incident. Steph and I had to leave a little late, so we were by ourselves as we were traveling, and, and as we continued to travel um, after one stop, uh, I was driving, she was the navigator. <clears throat> and as we headed down the Indonesian Turnpike, we uh, knew that our next exit was going to be exit 16 onto Highway 3, which Highway 3 then kicked you over to Broken Bow. And so as we were approaching said exit... My navigator gave me the instruction, get over to the right, we're going to be taking this exit. So I obliged, I got to the right, got ready. Then I began reading the signs. That's where it all went wrong. <laughs> Let me uh, show you exhibit A, all right? So this is... What you see when you come up to this exit, exit 16, and I know you can't read the signs, but let me just point out to you what they say and don't say. Uh, first sign here, and maybe you can make that out. It has the little Pike Pass emblem, right? We have Pike Pass. When you have a Pike Pass, you look for that emblem, right? Because that's the lane you know you need to go down. So I saw that emblem. Now, that's lane one. Lane two said nothing about Pike Pass. Nothing. I don't really even know what it said, but I did not see the word Pike Pass. It did not have the little pretty little purple sign that says Pike Pass. It was not there. So I went on to the next sign, which was simply the sign that said for cash or receipts or exact change, you know, change, go to this lane. I knew I didn't want that lane. And so I began to process. I was still processing. My navigator said, go right. I really feel like I need to go left. Surely what's going to happen is we're going to go through this, and the exit's going to be on the right, and I need to merge right, and then take the loop, and we'll take off onto Highway 3. And so I do go left. To the dismay and shock of my navigator. And I proceeded as I'm trying to uh, give reason. Uh, we go through, and I quickly recognized my error. <laughs> and once again, to the shock and dismay, and now bordering on anger of my navigator, <laughs> we missed our exit. I'm like, no! The signage, it was all the signage's fault. It was not properly signed. Now, fortunately... Prior to leaving, I had already scoped out the plan. I knew the way. I knew there was a second route on Highway 375, which now we were still on because we, I missed the exit. And it would take us about 15 minutes out of the way, a little detour, 
20 maybe. <laughs> and we made our way to Broken Bow. Met up with the rest of our friends. And the amazing thing is, two of my other buddies missed the same exit. Vindicated. <laughs> Now, one might wonder if we're still married. <laughs> Today, we celebrate 29 years of marriage. Today. So. She's still hanging in there. Many, as they navigate through this life, are, are confused by the signs. And not road signs. But the signs that we see all around us. Maybe it's life's circumstances that we face. Maybe it's just the signs within our culture. Maybe it's the, just the information overload that we just continually to be faced with and inundated with. It leaves many confused in this world. Who do we trust? Who do we listen to? Do we, do we listen to the politicians? Do we listen to the preachers? Do we listen to the popular Hollywood elites? Do we listen to the intellectuals in higher education? Who do we trust? And maybe even the question is, what is truth? And one of the questions that circulated and has for some time now is, is there such a thing as absolute truth, truth that is true for all times, all places, all people? Does it even exist? Many would say that we live in a postmodern culture today. Let me define that for you a little bit. Postmodernism is a philosophy that says absolute truth does not exist. Many would say that. Supporters of postmodernism deny long-held beliefs and conventions and maintain that all viewpoints are equally valid. That's postmodernism. And that's a lot of what we see and recognize and encounter in our culture. The postmodern mindset says this, what's right or true for me isn't necessarily right or true for you. And so those beliefs and convictions that we once held onto, that maybe even the majority of our culture has held onto for years and years and years have been challenged and, and even thrown out and in doing so, I believe we have upcoming generations that have a very shaky foundation because they're questioning what is true. They're trying to discover and figure out what they are to build their lives upon. And with such confusion in our culture, it is no wonder that the anxiety levels are, are off the charts, suicide rates are, are skyrocketing around us, and I would say that the confusion of our culture probably plays a part of that. In such a culture, one of the most offensive statements that we as followers of Jesus can say is this statement right here. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Amen. Many want to stand against that because, again, everybody's viewpoint is valid. Every religion needs to be accepted. And so when we make a statement like that, it is no wonder, and it's maybe even to be expected, that from unbelievers there, there is a great disagreement. Maybe there's 
Uh, they even want to enter into some arguments about that. And that's only to be expected. Now, on one side, it's from, I think for some of them, it's from their heart. They want everybody, if there is such a thing as heaven, they want everybody to go. And if there's just one way, well, then not everybody's going to get to go. And so, so from some sense of goodness, maybe they want there to be more ways to heaven. But that doesn't make it true. That doesn't make pluralism true, the idea that there are many gods and many ways to heaven. It doesn't make universalism true that, that says everybody's going to end up in heaven in the end, no matter what, just make it. So many will, will turn to those kinds of beliefs again with a desire, a hope that as many people or everybody gets to go to a place called heaven, whatever that place looks like. And again, it's understandable from unbelievers, that those that don't follow Jesus and don't claim Christianity. The interesting thing is, that statement that Jesus is the only way is becoming more and more controversial within the church. In a recent study done by the Barna Group, they found that a majority of believers, those who claim to be believers, don't agree. Matter of fact, they say this, out of those that, that, that claim to be Christian, 52% of them believe that you can achieve salvation through good works. As long as you're good enough, you'll get there. And there's a lot of religions, we'll, we're going to talk about that in a minute, that, that go that direction, and it's based on works. And, and the issue with that mindset or that way of thinking and believing is there's no scale. You don't know if you've been good enough, right? When you go to bed at night, you're always wondering, well, was I good enough today? And we like to, you know, if you're going to be in that, that ballpark, if you're going to follow that way of thinking, we probably like to uh, compare yourself to the local serial killer, you know, and just think, well, yeah, I'm not that bad, so surely I'm going to get in, Right? But many believers, 52%, have began to adopt that way of thinking. You don't have to follow Jesus as long as you are good. 68%, same study says this, 68% believe it doesn't matter which faith you align with as long as you just have faith. So just pick one. Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, Islam, whichever. Just make sure you pick one and have a good faith in it. And you'll get there. 68% of those that call themselves Christians believe that. So there seems to be confusion outside the church, but yet at the same time inside the church when it comes to that statement that Jesus is the only way to heaven, the only way to salvation. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. As, and with all the confusion and, and with everybody in different camps and everything, every, everything, I thought, well, let's get everybody on the same page. Let's at least start there because even in this place and, and joining us online, we could have all these both these camps represented here. I understand that. So let's all get on the same page and let's just start with one thing that I think we can all agree on, and it is this. Everyone is going to die. All right, I mean, can we all agree on that one? All right, yeah, amen, there you go. 
I think we can all agree there. So far, I think there's no confusion over that statement. We are all going to die. We may die young, we may die old, we may die tragically, we may die peacefully. We don't know how it's all gonna go down, but one day, all of us, one out of one of us, are gonna die. And often when it comes to that time in our uh, journey in life, when we face death, whether it's the death of somebody close to us, or maybe it's even our own is looming and looking us in the eye from some medical condition or whatever, it is in those times we really begin to examine our lives. And we really begin to look at, hmm, what are the potentials after this life, right? And almost every people group throughout history, as we study anthropology, believed that there is an afterlife. There is something else out there. There is this innate feeling within us that there is something beyond this world. And so people and humans have tried to grasp hold of what that looks like. If, if there is a God, what is he or she like, and how do I make them happy so that they will let me into their heaven if they have a heaven? And so there's been all kinds of religions and beliefs that have uh, grown over the years. We in the church, followers of Jesus, in all of the confusion surrounding that, continue to convey, and this church will continue to convey the message, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Amen. And so we as a church today, we want to examine that, we want to look at that and say, okay, why can we stand on that statement with confidence and to continue to convey that message to the world around us. And so uh, I just want to start by just saying this. We can, we can believe that Jesus is the only way because Jesus said it. All right, we'll just start there. Right? Jesus said it. Go over in John chapter 14. If you know that text, uh, you might know it well. But John chapter 14 is where Jesus is meeting with his disciples. He's just had uh, the last supper with them. He's going to be going to the cross, uh, being, being uh, put on trial and going to the cross that night and that next day. And, and his disciples are upset. I mean, these are his best friends. I mean, he's been with them now for three years, and they've seen all the things that he's done and, and all, heard all the things he had to say. They're upset. And Jesus knows it. And it's there that he says, hey guys, just trust me in this. Just trust me in this. Hey, I'm, he says, I'm gonna go to my father's place. Matter of fact, my father has a house. It's a big, big house. With a little, ah, there we go, there we go. Big, big table, lots and lots of food. Big, big yard with audio adrenaline, you gotta know. Anyway, um, but that's where he says that. He says, I'm going to a place and I'm preparing a place just for you. And, and if that's so, I'm coming back and I'm gonna get you and it's gonna be awesome. That's how he's encouraging these guys. And then he ends by saying this, but you know the way. And all of them go, the way? <laughs> What way are you talking about? You've never given us a map, right? And because their minds, their mind is still so earthly 
uh, earth bent. I mean, they're thinking, okay, you're going to God's house and rooms, and so you got a palace somewhere and another land, and we're going to get to go. I mean, they're trying to wrap their, their minds around what Jesus is talking about. And then finally, Thomas, I think he voices what probably the rest of them are thinking whenever he says this in verse 5. It says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? How can we, how can we know how to get there? Because you, you haven't told us. Now, be encouraged. These guys, again, they've been with Jesus for three years, and they've watched and heard, and, all, and they've, they've witnessed everything. And they're still confused, and they still have questions. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to go to Jesus and go, I don't get this. Why, why did this happen? What, what does this mean? Or what, you know, it's okay. Jesus is... He's a big enough God that he can take our questions. And Thomas comes to him. Hey, God, Jesus, we, we don't know the way. And so in verse 6, this is where Jesus tells him. He says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when he says there that I am the way, he, it implies he is the only way. There is no other way. I am the way. I just told you where I'm going, and I've told you that you're going to fall the way. I am the way to that life, to salvation. I am the way. And on top of that, I am the truth. There's no other truth either. I am the truth. You see me. You hear me. What comes out of my mouth, it is the truth, the absolute truth. I'm the truth. The embodiment of truth. I am the life. If you want to have life, the greatest life, life to the fullest, as Jesus said, he came to give us in John 10, 10. He says, I'm it. I'm the way to that life. I'm the example of that life. If you look at my life, that's life. And then in case they didn't wrap their minds around that, he nails it down one more time. No one comes to the Father except through me. No getting, no getting around that statement. That's what Jesus said. And so we can stand on that. He doesn't say he is a way. He doesn't say he's part of a way. He doesn't say he's the best way. He said he is the only way. And many struggle with that idea. But that's what Jesus said. He's the only way to heaven. Now, one might say, well, but that was Jesus making that proclamation about himself. He could be a lunatic, you know? He could be a liar. But that brings us to the second point. We can believe Jesus is the only way because Jesus proved it. He proved it. Now, two things that I want to look at in, in when it comes to this idea of Jesus proving it. Number one is Prophecy. When we look at Jesus' life, it's believed that he fulfilled somewhere, I've seen everywhere from 354 to over 400 prophecies that were fulfilled in his life. Things like he'd be born of a virgin and from the town of Bethlehem. They say over 30 prophecies were fulfilled just in his crucifixion. And so we look at all these prophecies, statements that were made about the coming Messiah years and years and years before Jesus ever walked on this planet. And we look at these and we say, what are the chances? What are the chances that a person could fulfill so many prophecies? So there's been studies done. You know, what are the chances? 
One group, they said, okay, if one person fulfilled 48 prophecies, all right, not even close to how many Jesus fulfilled, but we'll take 48. The chances of one person doing that were one in 10 to the 157th power. It's a lot of zeros. It looks like this, okay? It's a lot of zeros. I don't even know how to get your head around that. I mean, uh, they say uh, one in eight, you could take silver dollars, stack them uh, two foot high across the state of Texas, throw a uh, mark one with a red paint pen, throw it in the middle and put a blind guy out there, and if he picked it, that's your chances. That's one in eight. This is one in 48. But yet, Jesus fulfilled them. And so many more. I don't know what the ratio has to be for something to be called a fact, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure this is pretty close. (laughs) Jesus fulfilled prophecy after prophecy that was made about him. And we can stand on that. But we can also look at his death, burial, and resurrection and see there that, once again, he proved that he is the way. Jesus told his followers, he, he told them, I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to come back again. And then guess what happened? He did. <laughs> he came back. I mean, it's like, what? Nobody else ever did that or has ever done that. Just Jesus. And that gives us proof. Proof. One time Paul was in Athens and he was talking to the Greek philosophers and they are in Athens that is just a city surrounded by gods. They had idols everywhere. They all worshiped all kinds of gods. But Paul there, that's where he tells them about the one true God. And in verse 31 of Acts 17, he says this, for he, God, has set a day when he, God, will judge the world with justice by the man, Jesus, he has appointed. He has given proof, God has given proof of this to all men by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. Says, here's your proof. He came back. Jesus' resurrection is proof that he is the way. Andy Stanley, preacher down in Atlanta, he says this, when somebody predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, we should go with whatever that person says. I agree. It was this proof that led Peter to exclaim over in Acts chapter four whenever he was being questioned because him and John just healed a crippled man and the religious leaders are little upset with him anyway and it's there in verse 12 of Acts 4 where he says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved Jesus claimed it Jesus proved it but in spite of the evidence and we could go so much further we could we could talk science and we could talk history and and all the things that surround it but Let's keep rolling. In spite of all the evidence, most still struggle with this understanding and this idea that Jesus is the only way. And so you might hear some, and maybe you've even said this, that that statement that Jesus is the only way, that statement seems exclusive. It seems exclusive. It, it leaves out so many people. But let me tell you, Christianity is the, is the least complicated and the most inclusive of all religions. If you look at every other religion out there, they all have exclusive claims. 
Every religion has exclusive claims. It's not just something within Christianity. Islam says Allah is God and Muhammad is prophet, and you got to believe it if you're going to follow Atheism, and I'll call that a religion, says there is no God. If you're going to be an atheist, that, that's pretty exclusive. You've got to say there's not a God. Agnostics, those who kind of just throw their hands up and said, we can't really know, that's their statement. No one can know there if there is a God. And so if you're going to be an agnostic, you kind of got to take that claim. It's an exclusive group. And so here's the thing. There cannot be, you cannot have multiple exclusive faith claims and all of them be true, right? It just, it doesn't work. And so if Jesus is the only way, then all other ways are wrong ways. But we live in a society and a culture where everyone can be right, where our kids are taught that there, there's no such thing as winners and losers, and, and we're tolerant of everyone else's systems of belief. But the reality is, there is right and wrong. People do win and people do lose. And if I say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, nobody comes to the Father except through him, and you want to say Muhammad and his ways are the ways to heaven, obedience to him is the way to heaven, one of us is wrong. And so many, in the confusion, again, in the confusion of it all, many want to throw their hands up and just say, can't we all just get along? And we want to get along. But they'll say, can we just coexist? Have you seen that bumper sticker before, right? Can we just coexist? You know, Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, Muslims, Satanists, atheists, agnostics, Christians, throw us all in the bucket and we'll all get along. Others will just say, just do whatever works for you. Whatever helps you sleep at night, just, just do that. Don't bug everybody else. But what I want to encourage you or challenge you with is not to do what works, whatever works for you, but to seek what is true. Listen, Christianity is different than any other religion because when, when you, you look at every other religion, every other religion is what we call a do religion. We talked about this a minute ago, Right? You've got to do this. If you want to be saved, you've got to go through these things. You've got to do the, this list of items in order to be right with our God, whoever their God is. It's all do. It's all work-based. You've got to do enough. You've got to be nice enough. You've got to serve enough. You've got to do all these things. But Christianity is different because Christianity says done. It's already done. Jesus already did it. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus paid the price. Jesus made the way so that we can go to heaven, that we can have salvation. And so we stand on that. That's why we call it good news because we, we don't have to keep on doing. Paul over in Ephesians chapter two, he says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, not by doing, so that no one can boast. He says, that's not, it's not the doing that saved us. It was Jesus that saved us. He made the way. But again, some people want to say it's very exclusive. But it's very inclusive because it's Christianity that says Jesus paid the price for everyone. Anyone can follow him and have salvation in him.
Another saying, another statement you might hear about Jesus being the only way is the idea that it seems unfair. This, this statement seems unfair. Why would God only give one way to heaven? Shouldn't there be many ways to heaven, many options, so that as many people as possible could make it in? Rich Hoyer wrote a book, uh, it was pointed out to me this week, and uh, he talks about this, and he I love the analogy he gives when he says, we've got to remember that God was the one who was offended. We are the ones that offended him. We are the ones that sinned against him and broke the relationship between us and God. Therefore, since he was the one offended in the relationship, he is the one that is able to determine what it is to make the relationship right again. A spouse cheats on their spouse, it's not the cheating spouse that says, okay, let's fix this. Let's do, no, it's the one that was cheated on that says, all right, if we're going to make this work, boom, 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 boom. This is what's happening. God was the one that was offended. God's the one that's able to say, there's one way. There's no negotiating. There's, there's no arguing over it. It's here's the way. Rich Hoyer in his book, he says this, our all-powerful creator is, after all, extremely gracious to seek reconciliation with us rather than retribution. We are the sinners. He is the Savior. On top of all that, the way he, the way he made us uh, to be restored to him is through the death of his own son. Does that sound unfair? Is it unfair that God loves us so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him would have eternal life? I mean, does that sound unfair? Do any of these verses sound unfair? Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's our God. Does it sound unfair? Luke 19, 10, Jesus said this, for the Son of Man came, I came to seek and to save what was lost. The whole reason I came was to bring salvation to the world. Romans chapter 1, 19 and 20 there, Paul says this, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. He says God has put signs everywhere throughout his creation, pointing everyone to him. There are signs all around us. If we'll just open our eyes and see our God. And he wants everyone to be saved. Listen, if you are a believer, if you call yourself a Christ follower, a Christian, you are one of those signs. When the world looks at you and they look at your life and they look at how you respond to the issues and challenges and trials and crisis that face you in your life, they're watching how you respond to it and you are a sign. And the question is, how good of a sign are you? Is your life pointing people to Jesus? When people find out you're a Christ follower, and does your life line up? Do you look like Jesus? Are you pointing people to Jesus? Or is there confusion going, whoa, 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 whoa. 
You call yourself a Christian, but you do all these things just like everybody else in the world. I don't get it, and it's confusing. And it leads people away from Jesus instead of to Jesus. And the consequence is much more than a 15-minute detour, 20-minute detour. Because you might be the only Jesus they will ever get a chance to see. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes himself and us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He says, we're his ambassadors. We're his sign. We're the ones that are pointing people to Jesus. Listen, there is a confused and hurting world out there and they don't need our arguments. They don't need our anger. They don't need our judgment and our looking down our noses at their sin. We got our own. They need to see Jesus and they need to experience the love of Jesus through you and me. Now, if you are here today and you're part of our services today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus and maybe you've, you're in the confusion. You're trying to figure it all out. I want to, as lovingly as possible, inform you that you have no hope of heaven without Jesus. That's not to start an argument. That's not to make you feel bad. That's to say Jesus loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you and wants you to come into his heaven with him and have salvation in him for eternity. We want you to know that. We'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to help you take that step and place your faith in him because there is no other way to get into his heaven. You can't sneak in. You can't bargain your way in. You can't go through an appeals process. You can't, you can't find somebody that'll you know, pull some strings with the big guy. It doesn't work. He made one way, and that's through Jesus. And we would love to talk to you more about him. Salvation is found only in Jesus and is available to anyone who will believe. Father in heaven, God, we pray that that message will continue to go out and that that message will continue to be received and that more and more people will place their faith in, in you, trust in you, and follow you. God, help us to be a church that just continues to put signs everywhere we can pointing this world to you. So God, as we leave this place here in a moment, as we go and live our lives in our workplaces, our schools, our teams, the grocery stores, wherever we find ourselves, God, help us to be billboards pointing people to Jesus. God, we love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.